Titus chapter 2 this morning. And uh, as Paul instructs Titus to speak things which become sound doctrine, Paul described uh, doctrine or conduct that's becoming of different demographics, different age groups, different genders. And yes, there are two of them. Um, he, he talks to the aged men, to the aged women, uh, to the young men, and, or to the young women and to the young men. Uh, but now we come to him dealing with servants. And so, if you would, we'll just read two verses, verses 9 and 10. It says uh, this in Titus chapter 2, verse 9, Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters, and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. The word servant, by definition, has the idea of a slave. Um, this can be involuntary or voluntary. Um, and so what I don't want you to do this morning is to allow our modern idea of slavery to cloud, cloud what the Bible may mean here, or, or what it does mean here. Our American history of slavery oftentimes uh, causes us to think differently. But um, the word servants, doulos, um, here denotes one who is bound to render service to another, whether that service be free or voluntary. It certainly may denote, uh, therefore, a, a slave or one who binds himself to render service to another. Uh, and so I think certainly, excuse me, I got this ridiculous contraption on my leg. Um, but I think we can be honest with the Scriptures this morning and stay in context of the passage and make the application servant-master employee-employer. I uh, certainly we think we can use that terminology this morning. And so when we see the word servant, we might say an employee. And when we see the word master, it might be the employer um, on, in our modern terminology. Here's some commentary on what I thought Albert Barnes was insightful on this, on this verse here. He says this, whether the persons here referred to were slaves or were those who had bound themselves to render a voluntary servitude, the directions here given were equally appropriate. So in any case, it's appropriate, the direction uh, that's given here, that the Apostle Paul, and, and ultimately don't forget that this is the Lord's word, uh, it was not the design of the Christian religion to produce a rude sundering of the ties which bind man to man, right? We don't want to be rude, but to teach all to perform their duties aright in the relations in which Christianity found them. Listen, there were slaves that were saved. Uh, there were people that were employees that got saved. Listen, uh, so wherever you're found, and look at what he says, and gradually to modify the customs of society and to produce ultimately the universal prevalence of that which is right. What he's saying here is if people would do as God intended for the servant and the master, the employee, the employer, uh, we could see a better understanding of Christianity in our world. And, and we'll... In the latter part of this verse, or in these verses, it says that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. So this instruction is given that we might show forth our God. And I know you're familiar with the idea of that they may see our good works and what? Glorify our Father which is in heaven. And so what I want to remind you, when you go to work, it's not about you. You're not there serving even your employer. Now, certainly, 
they're, they're giving you some cash on the, on the flip side of this deal. So, uh, but you ought to be doing them right. But the reality is, ultimately, you're serving an almighty God. And so your service as, ought to be as unto the Lord and not unto men. And, and we'll look at a little bit more of that as we go. And so, listen, we can show forth our Christianity in our workplace. That's all I'm saying this morning. <clears throat> don't be the, the jerk employee. Uh, don't be uh, the difficult one. And so we can show forth the beauty of God's uh, word at work. Christian workers have the opportunity to show the beauty and value of following God's doctrine. Uh, you ought to be the most valued employee at your workplace. And I know that may not always be the case because we do work for secular people, the lost, and they may not respect some of those things, but I'm not saying it's all sunshine and butterflies. Uh, but you can definitely demonstrate the characteristics of Christ in the workplace. <clears throat> so let's look this morning at some instructions that he gives to these servants. And so we might say, conduct becoming servants or employees. What's the first one? Obedient unto their own masters. This isn't very popular in our society, uh, to be obedient to the boss, uh, even though we ought to. It's scriptural. Uh, listen, they're paying you. They're paying the bills. You're buying your groceries. You're paying your rent or, or your mortgage or whatever the case may be. Uh, you have an obligation to do what your employer asks of you. Uh, obedient means to submit or subject oneself to. It, it's not, these aren't hard things to decipher. I'm not in the book of Daniel this morning. I leave those things to pastor. These are simple, but sometimes we struggle with this because for some reason we think we're exempt. And boy, this, this isn't, these people aren't Christians. Well, what do I need to submit myself to them? Well, you've entered into an agreement with them. It's their business. It's their company. Uh, look, at, look at what in some of the other epistles where, where some of this is qualified a little bit more. Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 5, 6, and 7. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and signals of heart. Look at what it says. As unto Christ, not with eye services, men's pleasers. You're not doing this to please the boss to begin with. But as the servants of Christ. Look at what this says. Doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Listen, I guarantee you, if you go to work with the attitude that you're doing it for the Lord, it's a lot easier to get along at the job site. Listen, I worked in the Air Force for 20-plus years. I know sometimes it's difficult. Listen, I was in the military. You're supposed to just obey orders. But sometimes they're not so bright. I don't care if they have a bachelor's degree and they got a butter bar on their sleeve. They're not the sharpest tack in the box sometimes. I don't care if they got a wing on their shoulder. Sometimes they're not so bright. Uh, and I say that in, with all respect. I've, seen, I've been around some full bird kernels that I thought, wow, anybody can get there if this guy can. Because <laughs> it just wasn't that impressive. Now, I've been around others that is like, wow, I understand why they're there. That's impressive. But listen, uh, we ought to remember, because listen, the grind happens. You wake up Monday, uh, Tuesday, when, whatever your work schedule is, and it gets old. You don't always want to go to work. But remember, you're doing it for the Lord. You're not doing it for the boss. Colossians 3, 22 and 23, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. 
not with eye service as men's pleasers, but in singleness of heart. Why? Fearing God. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. I'll never forget that. that what's, and whatsoever you do heartily uh, as to the Lord and not unto men. That's one great that we always like to teach our children. I know I did. Boy, you ought to do this for the Lord. But that's good for us adults as well. That's who this, the context of that passage is written to. And we sometimes need to be reminded that we're working heartily because it's for the Lord. It's not for the men around us. Uh, and then verse 24 in Colossians 3, it says this, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Our Lord, our Master, ultimately is Christ Himself. And so that ought to help us to have a good testimony at work, to be the, the, the obedient employee. Other, your, your co-workers might think you're a brown noser. But the reality is you're just doing right because you're doing right by your boss because that's the right thing because God's instructed you to do so. Don't worry about what the coworker thinks. Don't worry about their opinion. Listen, be more concerned about God's opinion and what he expects of you. Uh, <clears throat> Listen, and this is a charge regardless if our boss is agreeable or not. 1 Peter 2.18, servants be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the forward. We don't just comply and, and submit ourselves because we like the boss. Now, in all fairness, so you, you can study this later for yourself, but the word servants in 2 Peter, or 1 Peter 2 is different than the word servants in the other one. It's not doulos. Same, the application, I believe, is the same. I don't think I'm twisting scripture, but if you guys, I don't know if you guys go back and question what I say, but... Maybe you're not like the Bereans. Anyway, but in all honesty, that's a different Greek word for servants there, but it, it really has the same, same meaning. Um, it, it, it is a little bit different. But what I, what I am telling you this morning is it doesn't matter if it's a good boss or not. You have made a commitment. You said, I'm going to work for you, right? Here in America, none of us are true slaves. So you're not forced to go anywhere. We would be much better off if we would feel uncomfortable being the right kind of employee by leaving and going somewhere else. But don't try to use your boss being a jerk as an excuse not to do what God's expecting of you. Uh, this is Bible, folks. Uh, it, it's not about what, how we feel or, or if somebody else is treating us properly or right. No, it's about being obedient to the Lord, uh, to God Almighty. And so it doesn't matter if they're a good person or not. Christian workers should offer sincere obedience to their employers out of a devotion to Christ. Really, it's not necessarily a devotion to your... Now listen, it's a blessing when you work for an organization that you love and enjoy and you, you can really get behind. I work for one. Um, what a blessing. But sometimes I get it, that's not the case. But that doesn't mean that you have the right to not be a good employee or an obedient employee and, and to submit yourself to them. And like I said, we would do well to move on to other employment if we cannot commit ourselves to please them in all things. Because that's the next thing. It says, please them in all things. To please them in all things. That is an interesting thing to think about. Uh, to do that which is best for them. The answering again, or excuse me, I, I looked at the wrong part of my notes. To please them well means fully agreeable, acceptable, well-pleasing. And, and listen, I understand this is assuming that what they're asking of you is legal and morally right. Listen, it doesn't matter if you think it's stupid or not. 
or if it's unsound business practice and you don't think it makes sense, that's not the issue. It's a matter of if it's right or not. If it's not going against what the Bible instructs, uh, you need to do that's what's well-pleasing in their eyes. Uh, some of uh, I know over the times, uh, listen, as Christian workers, we ought to seek to make the boss's ideas successful. That's not always easy. Did I mention I was in the Air Force for 21 years? I had some bad leaders over the course of that time. And they would make dumb decisions, and they want to do, do stupid things. And, and listen, Brother Petraco's here. He's, I'm sure he was an upstanding commissioned officer, pastor as well when he got his commission, right? But you have to understand, I was a low-life, pond-scum enlisted guy. And at about 16 years as a master sergeant, when you have all these captains that come in, they want to change the world. And, you know, you got six or seven deployments, you're, you're on your seventh or eighth, and there's this lieutenant or a captain that's on deployment one. And they think they know how things need to go down. And they have these ideas. And I'll tell you what, we, there, I built a small camp one time, and it was against the advice of every senior NCO. All the superintendents within our, within our uh, squadron said, sir... We don't, we don't think we should do this. And he was just, and sometimes officers are that way. And sometimes, I'll, get, I'll say this, sometimes officers have a different perspective that we don't. And something needs to happen anyway. But anyway, we, we did, we, I think we spent two weeks constructing a small little uh, containment area. And no sooner than we were completed, they were like, guys, we've got to tear it down and move it. This wasn't a good idea. But I had to go forward and do that, which was well-pleasing to, to the boss at the time. But you know what? I wanted to let him have it. Because he wasted my time. He wasted all of our airmen's time. Uh, and, and that's aside from the fact of all the fuel. Did you know it costs a lot of money to exercise the war arm of our government? Just to put fuel and equipment to accomplish a job is... It'll blow your mind how much money the Air Force spends in fuel alone on a monthly basis. Uh, it, it's crazy amounts of money. So we do all this. But we have to remember, uh, as an employee, it's not about our happiness. You were there for the benefit of the master or the employer. If they make a wrong decision, you just need to carry it out. And listen, they may ask for feedback at times, okay. But at the end of the day, if they make a decision, you're there to be well-pleasing unto them. And you ought to carry out that decision to the best of your ability. Because I have to say, I haven't always done this right in my Air Force career. There were times where I was given an order to do something. And I knew it was stupid and it was a waste of time, so I didn't give it my all. And I've had to go back to people and apologize to them and say, I apologize, sir, that wasn't right for me to subvert your intent because I didn't have the right attitude. I wasn't doing what was well-pleasing to them. We need to be very careful because, remember, we're trying to adorn the doctrine of our God. We're trying to represent our Savior in a way that would cause these people to desire what we have. In the last one, or this next one's really going to get into our Cheerios, not answering again. Sometimes they're going to ask us, to do some things, and we know it's stupid. But answering again means to dispute, to refuse, 
to contradict, to deny, to gainsay, to speak against. You know how many times that I've been guilty of that? And a lot of times it was with my peers. I'm like, God, this is stupid. I don't think we should do this. I may not have had the guts to say it to the boss's face, but it's just as wrong when I'm contradicting what the boss wants because, again, what kind of Christian does that demonstrate that I am in front of my coworkers that ought to see a Christian that's supporting, even though they know. Now, people can know that you don't agree with something, but you can still have a great attitude and do it anyway. Uh, But you don't have to trumpet your cause. Listen, we are not to gainsay or to answer again. We are not to be argumentative or talk back. I I found this commentary very good. A man who becomes voluntary a servant binds himself to obey his master cheerfully and quietly without gainsaying and without attempting to reason the matter with him or propounding his own opinions. You might have one, but it doesn't mean you need to say anything. Even though they may be much wiser than those of his employer, he makes a contract to obey his master, not to reason with him or to instruct him. Sometimes it's just time to shut up and do your job. Do that which is well-pleasing without answering again. Uh, nobody likes the employee. Listen, I, it's funny because in the Air Force, as you, as you get rank and you, you, you develop right as an airman, you get around all the other airmen, everybody's complaining about life is just terrible. You know, and I'm like, listen, guys, it ain't that bad. I've been with the Army. It's terrible there. This is pretty good. But, you know, sometimes in your little bubble of life, you get discontent with your circumstances, discontent with whatever you have. And you start to, uh, to whine and complain and gainsay. And, and then all of a sudden, one day, you're the boss. And you walk into the shop of, you know, 50 or 60 airmen and NCOs, and they're all griping and complaining about what you're asking them to do. And you pull those NCOs aside and say, listen, guys, this is time to just to do what we were told. And then your mind goes back and like, boy, Lord, forgive me for not being the airman that I should have been. But as the people of God, we ought to learn that sooner than anyone. We ought not learn that when we are the senior NCO or we're the senior officer. We ought to learn that in Sunday school class and put that in practice in our life that we can demonstrate the characteristics of a holy and righteous God. Uh, Lord, help us to be the kind of employee that people would want. Listen, sometimes your boss does ask for constructive feedback. Certainly give it. If they ask for your input, give it. Now, I've, I've had a Colonel Burial, so I'll never forget. He came to me and I said, sir, it's dumb. It's not a good idea. And I think he made the right decision. He followed our counsel and he didn't do something. And we were successful, but... But sometimes I have to admit, even with Colonel Barrows, he was my last commander here at Ellsworth. He made a decision one time, and I completely, utterly disagreed with it. And it was the right decision. I wanted to separate an airman. He was doing something stupid, um, multiple things. And he did, he actually, he messed up. He let his security clearance lapse. And I said, sir, this is grounds for dismissal. This guy has been a slug. Let's get rid of him. Colonel Berrios knew some things that I didn't know. He had some mental health issues and some different things going on. Colonel Berrios got him some help, allowed that kid. And because the, if you understand it, the commander has to reopen to allow you to apply for your investigation, to get your security clearance. 
And if a commander doesn't do that, you're done. Well, Colonel Berrios went through it. It's kind of a headache for the boss, right, for the commander. So he goes through all this, does it. I'm like, sir, it's a waste of your time. Don't waste your time. Well, he does it. That guy goes on to be a great asset. He was just in a real bad, bad time in his life. And so listen, sometimes uh, the boss ain't going to listen to you, but you need to support him anyway. Uh, if they ask for your feedback, give it. But if they don't choose to follow your guidance, leave it there. Just leave it there. You know what? And that goes for in the church too. You know how often we get ideas and things? And they're not bad, but they're not all executable. And so when God doesn't bring something to fruition that you really were dedicated, especially if you're not willing to put your feet to action, but that's a whole other message here this morning. But listen, what I'm telling you is sometimes you just let your input known and leave it there. Now, here's another good one, not purloining. Whew. Boy, this is rampant in the military. We may say today, not pilfering. Uh, not stealing that which belongs to the owner of the company. Uh, listen, you can do that not just in assets. I think that's really what this is talking about here, but you can do it in time too. You can pilfer your boss's time because you're being spiritual and witnessing to people at work. Listen, you're on the clock. I get it. If God gives you an opportunity, take it as the Lord allows, but you need to make sure that you're giving your boss all that you're expected to give during that time. Um, anyway, but the Greek word here is nosfidzoahi, I believe. It means to sequestrate oneself, to embezzle, keep back, to purloin. Uh, stealing and embezzling your employer's substance, taking it away, making use of what is their property. Yeah, I'm just going to take this home and borrow it for a while. Keeping back part of money or goods committed to their trust. The word the same word is used in the, in the account of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. In, in verse 2, when it says they kept back a portion, they were purloining, they were keeping something back. And uh, Albert Barnes says this about that. The word here used means properly to separate, to part. Then it means to separate, look at what this says, surreptitiously or clandestinely for your own use, a part of public or taxes and those things. He gives a few examples and that word, this word is really used three times in our New Testament, twice in Acts chapter 5 and then here in, in, in Titus chapter 2 verse 10. And so the idea is to keep back secretly parts or things. Uh, listen, and here's the, here's the kicker. While professedly devoting all to God. So you're proclaiming that you're a Christian on the job. I serve God. I, I'm a Christian. I walk with God and and here, surreptitiously or secretly, you're keeping back or you're pilfering or you're taking those things that belong to the boss. Stealing, it's wrong, in case you haven't picked up on that yet. Uh, it's not right. Listen, simply put, Christians should not take that which does not belong to them. Period. If it's not yours, don't do it. I, I'll tell you what, I, I can't tell you how many guys in, in the Air Force, you go to their garage and there's a lot of military stuff. It's like, well... I know for a fact that tool used to be in the shop and we couldn't find it a week ago. What's going on here? Uh, maybe he went out and bought it. It's awful suspicious though. But we had a guy when I was stationed at Fairchild. He was a plumber. I affectionately called them turd herders. <laughs> uh, 
but plumber and by trade and and uh, he had a he had started a side business doing plumbing work on the side and and he went out and bought himself a, a little service van and all kinds of stuff and and all of a sudden OSI pulled him over and hammered him and inside his service van were material from our CE material control and so our material control is basically a giant Home Depot or Lowe's. And so all the parts this guy was using for his side jobs were stolen from the Air Force. And uh, he did some time. So listen, it's not right. And I'll tell you this, even if society is accepting of it, sometimes our coworkers, it's, it's accepted in the military sometimes. Oh, yeah, take, take a little bit here. Nobody cares. It's not a big deal. We're going to throw it away anyway. Listen, just because a culture says it's all right, God says it's not. And we need to be very careful because, again, why? We're trying to represent our God properly, biblically. We want to honor God in our lives that way. And so rather than being a purloiner, what do we do? We show all good fidelity. He says here in verse 10, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity. What's that mean? Showing that we can be fully trusted. To be faithful servants in everything that we are entrusted with. Christian workers should be those that any boss or company can trust completely. Uh, they don't have any questions in their mind of whether they're going to be purloining or whether they're going to be uh, gainsaying or, or speaking back against us. And uh, we, we ought to be the best. And whether it's we're an errand boy or we're the president of a company, sound doctrine calls for Christians to be the best worker a company would want. Listen, sometimes our abilities, we might not be the most technically proficient, but we ought to be the most trustworthy employee that they have. And so uh, God help us to be that kind of an employee, right? Can you imagine the impact on productivity uh, and the employee relations if all Christians would do such things that we're teaching here this morning? Uh, We could make a difference in our communities. I believe it with all my heart. Uh, there were times when I was in the military, there was, I, there was usually just one or two, but there were a couple occasions where there were more folks, especially at overseas locations, where there were several people in a squadron that went to the same church. That we, you know, could you imagine if we were all living this out right, what the representation of our God in that workplace could be? But the reality is sometimes we're not the best Christians in the workplace. We don't demonstrate uh, these godly characteristics like we ought. And uh, Lord, help us. And I, in my notes, we don't have time for it. I was going to give some examples of, uh, but listen, there, Joseph and Daniel are some of the greatest examples of guys that were thrust into situations. They literally became servants or slaves, and they honored God in these ways. They just stayed faithful to do that which was pleasing in the sight of their God. So much so that Daniel wasn't going to defile himself. And what does God do with them? He takes them and uses their testimony in a mighty way to make a huge difference in their area. Listen, you're not called to turn Rapid City upside down by yourself. You're called to make a difference where you work. Perhaps where you go grocery shopping. Maybe on your block or your neighborhood. That's where you're called to make a difference. Uh, And so, listen... Just honor God with your life where you're at and allow Him to do the rest. 
He can bring the promotion. He can bring, listen, I can't tell you how many times where thank God and by his grace I was doing the right thing and people would come to me and say, Sergeant Garmo, I got a question. Well, I don't know if I have the answer, but what do you got? And it was an opportunity to share Christ with people because they saw that I was different. And listen, it takes time. And sometimes you don't always have time in the military because you're PCSing. I know I did. I think we had nine duty assignments in, in the 21 years. But listen, sometimes you just need to be faithful day in and day out, even when it's not fun, even when it's not convenient. And allow God to use it. Listen, so as we've looked over this, this first part of this chapter two, well, most of the chapter, but um, listen, sound doctrine is not limited exclusively to church issues or situations. These are sound doctrine. This is good teaching for people in all different areas of life, all different stages of life, we might say. But this teaching reaches much farther than just the church. It reaches to how we conduct ourselves, reaching to how we raise our families, reaching to how we conduct business or how, what kind of employee we are. And don't forget, sound doctrine is that which is spiritually healthy and wholesome. I like being healthy. This knee is a bummer. Uh, you don't really understand how we just take for granted our health oftentimes. I was talking to Brother First and, and, and Pastor a little bit before church this morning. Sometimes you just, you don't even think about it until all of a sudden, wow, I'm limping around. I can't, even, you know, I would just want to do stairs again like a normal person. But listen, how about so much more spiritually? Physically, certainly, we can take things on ourselves. I know mine was kind of a freak accident, but, but oftentimes, physically, there are things that we can do to keep ourselves healthy, right? Let's not be a glutton. And maybe I won't eat McDonald's three times a day. Those kind of things, right? Some of the basics. Twice a day is okay, though. <laughs> no, but how much more important is it, spiritually speaking? that we would take the Word of God and apply it to our lives, take the sound teaching and preaching and the sound doctrine from God's Word and apply it to our lives, that we could live a spiritually healthy life. And listen, making a difference in our community along the way. Adorning the doctrine of our God. I don't want you to miss this. and Bear with me. What can be more than adorning the doctrine of God? What can be more spiritually healthy than making and teaching, or than make the teaching of God attractive? May God's grace empower us to be the kind of men, women, and workers that will be ornaments illustrating the value of serving God. This thought here about adorning the doctrine of God, it's reoccurring in this chapter. Here's a couple of reminders. Chapter, verse 5, chapter 2. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home. Good, obedient to their own husbands. Why? That the word of God be not blasphemed. Verse 8, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That he which is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Not purloining, verse 10, showing uh, all good fidelity, that, we, that they may adorn the doctrine of our God in all things. Listen, the idea is that we may show the fair influence of Christ in our lives to others. By living according to sound doctrine. We are to show that the effect of religion we profess makes us better fit to discharge the duties of our station in life. Whatever our station is. Whether we're the aged, the young, 
or the servant, uh, the employee, whatever the situation is, uh, we're just adorning the doctrine of our God because we're living according to the teaching of God's Word. Uh, what a blessing that is. Listen, are you living in such a way to prove that God's will is good and acceptable and perfect? Are you making a difference around you? May God help us to adorn the doctrine of our God that we may lead people to Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to gather with your people. Lord, what a blessing it is to be back in, in Sunday school, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for, for healing me. And Father, we ask now that you'd bless as we go into the morning service. We pray that you'd be with our pastor. Lord, we thank you for him and his labors. And we ask that you just anoint him from on high. And I pray, Lord, that as he preaches today, that you would be glorified in all that's said. And Father, that you'd draw men to yourself. Lord, we pray that you'd help us to be an encouragement one to another. We'll give you the glory for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen.